following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year! Happy New Decade! You know, I read books years ago about the Roaring Twenties. 1920s was called the Roaring Twenties. Why don't we roar in 2020? Why don't we just become a church that's just alive and well on planet Earth and show our health by our praise and our worship? Why don't you clap your hands real big for Jesus right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's an honor to be here today as as your pastor. I'm I'm, uh, almost completing my 30th year. Uh, You know, I had a birthday the other day, and uh, that's enough. And uh, I turned uh, that number, but I decided this is a this is a leap year. My birthday was December twenty eighth. Put that on your calendar. But 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 I decided that this being a leap year, I wasn't going to have a birthday, but every ye- leap year. So the next time I have a birthday, will be four years from now. I'll turn seventy one four years from now. Because it's just, people's always said it's just a number, so if it's just a number, let's just call it a number. And let me die at 75 instead of 95, all right, whatever. But what a joy to see all of you today. I, I, I love you very, very much, and I thank you. It's just an honor. It's always been an honor for me to preach the gospel to such a loving group of people. I know there may be bigger churches, and there may be uh, churches that have more more uh, money flowing through it, but that, that we have a church that loves God. We have a church that loves being in the house of God, and I'm honored. I'm just honored. I'm honored to be a pastor of that kind of church, and for the last 30 years, yes, it's been a, it's been a pull, it's been a push, but at the same time, we have, we have learned to love this church like I've never loved anything in my life. What a joy to pastor you kind of people, and you know, you're my, you're my child. You're, my, you're the one that I went to the orphanage and I said, I want that 12 o'clock child. And y'all are here. And so you understand. You're the last thing between me and lunch also. But you understand. <laughs> you understand how much I love you. And I'm so happy that God has given us people like yourself that just call this their home. I want you to stand to your feet. And, uh, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit here to you today. Uh, but I... I've got to share something I think is so cool. Son called his parents to wish him a happy new year, and when his dad answered the phone, he asked his dad what his new year's resolution was, and his dad replied, to make your mother as happy as I can all year. When his mom got on the phone, he asked her the same question. His mom replied to the re- his, her resolution was to see that your dad keeps his new year's resolution. <laughs> That sounds like somebody calling our house. Uh, <laughs> Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes, I loved Calvin and Hobbes, said, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things, and right now I'm so far behind I'll never die. <laughs> That's the way some of us feel. But this is the one I love. I love this story. Uh, at the beginning of a new year, a high school principal decided to post his teacher's New Year's resolutions on the bulletin board in the hall and as the teachers gathered around the bulletin board there was a great commotion that broke out and one of the teachers was complaining why weren't my resolutions posted 
she was throwing such a temper tantrum that the principal hurried back to his office to make sure that he had not overlooked her resolutions, but evidently he had because he saw them on his desk. He had mis mislaid them. And as he read her resolution, he was astounded. The teacher's first resolution was not to let little things upset her in the new year. <laughs> Anybody want to get on that train? Anybody want to get on that train? I love all of you. My wife bought me a, a watch for my birthday, and I discovered something about my wife that I need to tell y'all. All you husbands need to hear me now. She's had a secret stash of money in our house for years and never told me. <laughs> I've often preached in this pulpit that there's no secrets in our house. I can't preach that anymore. <laughs> my wife has a secret stash. I don't know where it is. After she spent money on this, she saved for years, years, years. And she bought me this beautiful watch for my birthday, and uh, I was not worthy of this watch. But at the same time, she bought it for me, and I said, well, baby, Where'd you get the money? She said, baby, I have this secret stash. <laughs> and then my next question was, what other secrets do you have? She said, I don't have any. I said, baby, if you can hide money from me, you can hide other things from me. <laughs> she said, baby. I said, okay, now that you've spent, I said, how much do you have left? She said, $200. That's all I had left. And I said, where's the stash now? She said, I'm not going to tell you. Her brothers tried to get out of where it was, and she wouldn't tell them. So if my wife passes away before me, and I sell the house or something, there's going to be somebody that's going to get in that house, going to open a wall or something, and find a lot of money one day, and <laughs> say, what do these people leave with all this money in the wall? I don't know. But anyhow, I just thought I'd share that with you. I don't know what that even matters. <laughs> but husbands, your wives can keep secrets. All right, I'm going to preach to you today. You love Jesus? Thank you for all the support of 2019, all the times you gave, all the times you showed up at church, all the times you came to praise, all the salvations that were wrought, all the baptisms that were, that were, that were uh, taken care of, and we had 49 more today. Isn't that amazing? What a way to start a brand new year. I just love what God's doing, and what I enjoy the most is you love being here. Now, let me preach. It won't be lengthy. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 4. You notice there's no title on the board yet, but I'm going to read. Now, Eli's daughter-in-law, Eli was a priest, finished his wife, was pregnant and about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the Ark of God, that's the Ark of the Covenant. For you that don't understand, perhaps the Word of God, the Ark of the Covenant was this mystical box that was created because God gave the, the, the design to Moses. They built this box where God dwelt. And this Ark of the Covenant went before the people of God and brought victory to them and brought peace to them. And brought a lot of blessings to them. And it had been taken. And her father-in-law and her husband had died because of it. She kneeled down and gave birth for her pain came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have given birth to a son. But she did not answer nor pay attention. She called the boy Ichabod, that's what she named him, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. The ark of God, the glory, because the ark of God was taken because of her father-in-law and her husband's passing. She said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God was taken. Ichabod. Matthew chapter 1 says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name, that's what the prophet said, Emmanuel which being translated means God with us. Say it, God with us. 
And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. I'm preaching today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor. He won't be lengthy, and I promise I won't. I love you. You may be seated. As we moved too quickly through the Christmas season, the season in which we celebrated the Lord's birth, I want to preach to you about the incredible power of his name and his presence. I read to you two accounts of two children being born and named. One child was called Ichabod. The other was called by the prophet Emmanuel. Emmanuel and Ichabod are a paradox. A paradox simply means a statement actually self-contradictory or absurd, opposed to common sense, but yet may be true in fact. Two babies, two babies born, both boys. One Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed, and the other Emmanuel, meaning simply God is with us. Can I give you a little footnote? When that glory was taken away from Israel, there was a little boy in that house of God named Samuel. And Samuel became a prophet that anointed Saul and anointed David, and the ark did come back. So the glory didn't last away. It never does. God's glory will always return. Just a little footnote. But we live in a, a day of great paradox. There are two themes or spirits running concurrent with each other as we begin 2020. There's a spirit of Ichabod that says things like, this is one of the worst days to be alive. Tough times to be a believer. It's a hard day to live for God. Iniquity abounds in our world. Lukewarm Christians are a dime a dozen. We're moving toward an antichrist. Many people are departing from the faith. Our nation, they're saying, is in a hate war. And the only thing that's sure is everything is unsure. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's the voice of Ichabod. That's the negative voices that we're hearing. But I want to declare to you this January 5th, 2020, Sunday morning, that Emmanuel is greater than Ichabod. Emmanuel is greater than Ichabod. Say it with me. Emmanuel is greater than Ichabod. Woo! And where iniquity abounds, Emmanuel says grace does much more abound. And for every lukewarm Christian that you could point out, Emmanuel said, I'll show you five Christians that are digging in and living for God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. Ichabod said, talk to me about doom of the Antichrist. And Emmanuel says, I'll talk to you about the true soon coming Jesus Christ. Amen. Speak to me about a world falling apart, Ichabod. And Emmanuel will say, I'll talk to you about the righteous never being forsaken, nor God's seed ever begging for bread. Ichabod says, talk about everything being unsure. Emmanuel says, I want to talk to you about a God in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. Ichabod says, show me those that can be shaken. And Emmanuel says, I'll show you those that are planted like a tree by the river of life. See, for some, their only vocabulary consists of Ichabod. The glory has departed. It's tough times. It's hard times. I'm in the bad news department. And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to, to catch on with the president. Not at all. What he's saying doesn't agree with what I'm saying. But that is fake news. That's fake news. 
There is, there is, yes, there's bad stuff going on in our world, but for me, here's the good news. Emmanuel is alive. God is with us. Come on, say it with me. God's with us. So I'm going to ask you, what language are you speaking as we begin a new decade? I choose to talk about who's for me rather than who is against me. Proverbs 18:21 said, the power of life and death is in the tongue. You know, everything that we see and everything that we are about that was created except for us was created by the word of God. He spoke it into existence. And we have his creative power in us. And so what you need to do is start speaking worlds into existence in your life. I get up every morning. I refuse to live in a negative world. I speak positive to everything that's coming at me negative because I know that my words form what I am in my life. And Joseph had to be awakened from his sleep to realize that the visitation of the Holy Ghost was upon him and God told him to step up and to marry Mary. Same thing is true today. Some of us need to wake up and realize that what God is doing and what he's about to do. Wake up, Joseph. Mary's about to have a child and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. I want to declare to you, wake up, friend, and realize that you're highly favored and God is wanting to do something mighty and great in your life. What I'm trying to say is, Joseph, it's time to quit just being engaged to that woman. It's time to step up and marry her. And what I'm declaring to you on this first Sunday of 2020, if you're just dating Jesus, <laughs> you need to start double dating Jesus. You need to go with Jesus all the way and say, I'm going to the altar with you. I'm going to be your bride. I'm going to step up. This is going to be my year to accept you as my personal Savior. I'm going to love you. I'm going to get in the waters of baptism. I'm going to talk and walk and be saved in the kingdom of God. I'm tired of just having dates. I want to marry you. Oh, hallelujah. Clap your hands real big. I felt, felt a little chill preaching that. There's an Emmanuel spirit, a God with a spirit, breathing faith in this place. On this first Sunday, and faith puts fear in reverse. Oh, fear's got to reverse. Faith doesn't, but fear does. One old preacher said a long time ago, fear knocked on the door. Faith answered, nobody was there. <laughs> That's not mine. I wish I'd have said that. It's kind of like those two Indians out there in New Mexico, you know, when they was testing the atomic bomb. Two old Indians were doing, doing smoke signals to one another. And one of them all of a sudden saw this huge mushroom cloud. And he said... He signaled back to him and smoke signals. I wish I'd have said that. It was a bomb going off, folks. It wasn't a, it wasn't a smoke signal. You'll get it after a while. Ephesians <laughs> chapter 3 said, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above that you can ask or even think. Instead of running around and wailing Ichabod, we should be shouting Emmanuel because God is doing great things and the evidence of his presence is in this house and it's all around us. I am convinced that God brought some of you here today, this first of the year weekend, so you could catch a glimpse of Emmanuel, that God is with you. See, I see you who live you live alone. I've been on that porch and I've watched, I've watched widows and I've watched widowers walk away from this church 
and you go to your car today and you watch families get in and load up their minivans and their SUVs and you're, and you're alone and you feel like that you don't have anybody and it's going to hurt. And I see those who are carrying illnesses in your body today and you're already wondering if you're going to live to see Christmas of 2020. That's Ichabod things talking to you. I see you who dream that this year would be a year of a baby around a Christmas tree, but the miscarriage or the infertility has left you with a hole in your soul and others don't seem to understand. I see you who are headed into some challenging family dynamic gatherings this year and you who are dealing with ex-spouses and custody situations that are complicated. And I see you who are going to have an empty chair at your table this whole year because there's a soldier in another country that belongs here. And a little grandmother came up to me after service today and said, Pastor, pray for my family. The young man that got stabbed over here in this restaurant this the other day was her grandson. She's connected. He's connected to this church. Yes, he was a Christian, went to another church, but things are happening. Things, things like that take place. Or there's been a divorce or there's been a loved one that you've buried this year and the pain is unbearable. But God says, God says, I see you. And I came this season to be with you. I'm not just a God that floats around. I'm going to walk with you. That little preposition with is used 89 times in the Old Testament the Bible referring to God being with his people. See, God walked with Adam in Genesis in the garden. And when God called Moses to be a leader and Moses said he couldn't do it, God said he would be with him and they would do it together. And I love Psalms chapter 23. How many love the Psalms 23? Isn't that beautiful? And the words I've turned to many times in difficult seasons of my life when God says to us that we need to fear no evil for he is with us. God is with us. God is with us. Those, those words just absolutely catapult me into a brand new year. I'm not walking into this year by myself. I'm not coming in here as the Lone Ranger. I got more than Tonto with me. I've got a God walking with me. I've got a Savior walking beside me. I've got a Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. He'll never, never leave me. He'll never forsake me. But he'll go with me always, even to the end of the world. He is a God that is with us. I want to tell you, Emmanuel always contradicts Ichabod. If one person yells Ichabod while another yells Emmanuel, there's no standoff. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Emmanuel is mightier than Ichabod as light is mightier than darkness. Light always overcomes darkness. 1 Peter 5 and 8 said the devil is a roaring lion. Big deal. Big hairy deal. Roaring out negativism and darkness. But just the still small voice of Jesus can drive all the negativism away. Roar if you want to, Satan. But I got to tell you, there's another lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. And at the very mention of his name, peace comes. Healing comes. The answer comes. Victory comes. A future comes. Because God is with us. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I've never seen an angel in my life. I'm going wild on you folks. I didn't preach this in the first two services. I've never seen an angel. But I've been told four times in my ministry that as I was preaching, two angels stood beside me. 
and helped me preach when I was going through the tragedy of my life and trying to preach afterward. Three times I was standing in a pulpit, once at a camp, once at my church, and once at a conference, and somebody came up to me and said, Brother Rex, I saw angels standing beside you. Yep, I didn't see them, but I want you to know I knew it because God was with me. God was with me. You hear me? Let, let Ichabod say what Ichabod wants to say. Ichabod can say all the gloom and doom it wants to bring, but I got news for you. There's an Emmanuel in my life, and God is with us. Paul warned Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But then he told him, watch this now, but for you, Continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of through your faith in Jesus Christ. Tell hell, <laughs> I've got a God walking with me. You might ought to get out of my business. I know that sounds like elementary preaching, but get your nose out of my business. I'm a child of God. Amen? And move on. Just move on. For if God be for you, who can be against you? There was a meeting one time at Dothan. Elisha, who was the servant of Elijah, had a servant at Dothan, and while he was at a well gathering water, he realized that they were completely surrounded by the enemy. And he came running to Elisha, and he said, Elisha, the enemy is surrounding us. And he was screaming, Ichabod, looks like things are bad. The glory has departed. But Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. He saw an opportunity for a miracle of deliverance and he cried Emmanuel and they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Here's what I want to declare folks. It doesn't matter what kind of fire, what kind of ring is around you, what hell says he's going to do to you. Just remind him that on the inside of his burning is another fire, the fire of God. And he will be there with you and be there for you. Even though Job went six months perhaps through his difficulties and trials, he never lost contact with the fact that God was for him and God was with him. Even if he didn't see him and didn't feel him, he knew in his heart that though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Here's what I want you to know, that Jesus Christ came to let you know that God would be with us. Come on, clap your hands real big. I read about a man. I read about a man who heard that 80% of all accidents happen within a mile of your home. So he moved. <laughs> Listen to me. Scientists have said, it's recorded, you can, you can look it up, you can Google it, you can Google anything. But scientists have said that every year 98% of the cells in your body are replaced with new cells. So the person you were here last year is 98% renewed just with sales. Is God amazing or what? So why don't you get some of those sales in your brain working and say, if God can restore this physically, what can he do for me spiritually? The spirit being is so much more important than the flesh being, but he restores your flesh 98% every year, somebody ought to say, I've got a God that's going to take me to the other side and I'm going to follow him in 2020 and we're going to see the victory of the Lord in our life. It's not time for problems to paralyze us and it's not time for us to be overwhelmed by fear. The situation at hand just seems too great sometimes to handle.
you need to realize that the difference between Emmanuel and Ichabod is the same as the difference between faith and doubt. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And you need to exercise your faith and get a victory complex. You're on the winning side. You know, in the Bible, winning is mentioned, but not as much as triumph. Triumph is what God wrote to Paul to write to the churches. It's to triumph in Christ. Winning means to win a race. Triumph means to win the life race. The whole thing. You triumph in God. In other words, you may have setbacks. You may have problems. You may feel like the tortoise against the hare. But just keep walking. Just keep going. You're going to get there because God is for you. And you're going to triumph. This church is going to triumph in victory. This church is going to go forward and triumph this year. We've triumphed all the other years and we're going to triumph this year. But I'm going to go on record right now. I hadn't said it to the first two services, but you know, y'all my, my, uh, my specials, okay? Listen to me. Listen to me, specials. Get ready. This year, we're going to knock the top off of it. We really are. We're going to knock the walls out. We're going to enlarge this place. We're going to lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes. We're going to have a victory in this house. And by the end of the year, we're going to be seating 1,700 people in this place. And they're going to show up because God is with us. Come on. God is with us. God is with us. Wow. I feel like preaching today. Y'all want to preach, preach me to preach a while? You want me to go to about 2 o'clock today instead of 1? Everybody say triumph. 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 Second Kings chapter 20, Isaiah 38 is the same story. God sent a prophet named Isaiah to tell Hezekiah to get his house in order. The king, he's about to die. And the scripture says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, I mean right now, and began to pray for God's mercy. God heard Hezekiah's prayer and spoke to Isaiah before he reached the middle court. And in verse 5, the Lord tells him, turn again. Would you say those two words? Turn again. Turn again. Turn again. And tell him, I've heard his prayer, and I have seen his tears, and I will heal him. And Isaiah comes back, and he speaks of the God of David to really emphasize to Hezekiah that he had heard from God. And he said, and God told Isaiah, turn around. And some of you have read your headlines, and the news doesn't look too good, but I'm here this morning to let you know there's about to be a turn again, a turn around. There's a turn again coming in your life. Thank God for turnarounds. Isaiah returns, delivers the news that there's been a turnaround in Hezekiah's situation. Hear me. God's getting ready to give you a turnaround. You receive that? Come on, say, I receive that. That's a word fitly spoken. 2 Kings chapter 20. Isaiah says, to him through God, I will add 15 years to your life. I'll deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign? I love that. That the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. Notice with me that when the bad news came that he was going to die, immediately he turned to the wall and began to wail. But when the same man of God returned with good news that he was going to live, he immediately said, prove it. Give me proof. Show me. Give me a sign. Why is it that we accept the negative at face value and the positive has to be proven? Come on, somebody. 
In fact, I'll tell you what I've done in, in 30, 30 years of pastoring here. When I get negative news on a phone call, I always say there's another call coming. I don't hear that first message sometimes. There's another call coming. Because the second call is going to be better than that first call. You hear me. Don't ever be tricked by the first call. Because the second call may be coming from a different location. God have mercy. God's got something great for this church. So we had a man that was in our first service. His name John Garza. He's one of my heroes. John Garza is amazing. Three years ago, he was given two months to live with stomach cancer. And the surgeon said, there's nothing we can do. And so here's, 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 here's the way the conversation went around the church. God had, John has cancer. People said, oh, no. And then somebody said, John is claiming God to heal him. He's claiming his healing. And the next line was, what, what does the doctor say? It's time for us to quit putting that last line in there. We need to say, what does a great physician think about this? Everything's got to be God-centered because Ichabod's not going to be with us. Ichabod's going to try to make the glory depart. But Emmanuel is with us. And he's here today. Come on. Praise him. Isaiah said, what would you like to see? That sign. You'd like to see the sun go forward 10 degrees and Hezekiah said, no, that'd be too easy because that's the way the sun's already going anyhow. Have God back it up 10 degrees. Simply put, I hear what you're saying, God, but you're going to have to work hard to prove it to me. What amazes me, folks, is that after all that was done, God still did that, still did that miracle to Hezekiah. Gave him 15 more years. We humans by nature are negative beings. Don't say no to that. Say, that's right. That's right. Come on, come on. You know why? We're made from the dust of the ground. And we're dust creatures. And whatever falls on us, we're consumed with. If snow falls on us, we're snowy. If rain falls on us, we're wet. If wind comes by, we're blown away. If a tree falls on us, we're hurt. We are dust of the ground. We become our surroundings. So what do you do, preacher? It doesn't seem to make to make. To, to take much bad news or many clouds for the rain to, to rain on our parade. But if you've ever ha, have been overwhelmed by negative thinking, hearing or seeing, you need to overcome that. And I wrote on my notes, now in all caps, 36 font, now. Now, dot, 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 now, this month, now, this Sunday, now, this year, now. Everybody say, I'm going to overcome that. I refuse to let my surroundings dictate my dedication to the fact that God is with us. Oh, I'm preaching to you. Larry McMurtry wrote a book called Lonesome Dove. I read that book and I watched the movie about six times. Because there's a man on that movie that's a dear friend of mine. His name is Robert Duvall. He played Gus McRae. Tommy Lee Jones played Woodrow Call. And Woodrow went and got... Gus, when he died, and brought him all the way back to Texas to bury him. But in that, Gus makes this statement, and I, I want to preach to you, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close. Gus makes this statement, Larry McMurtry wrote in the book. He said, the hardest thing on earth is choosing what matters. Now, I want to preach. I want to talk to you just a little bit. Preaching doesn't mean I'm going to get up and holler and rant and rave and run around. This. I want to talk to you. What matters to you? Does making a lot of money matter? Does making 
your name big in the world matter? Does being, becoming governor matter? Does becoming something powerful, a singer, maybe a rock star? What matters to you? What matters to you? Does, does having kids that maybe don't even love God, does that matter to you? Does that matter? What matters to you? What is your matter horn? What horn are you blowing and says, this matters to me? Somewhere in your life, you have got to get to a point where nothing matters more than Jesus Christ in your life. This church is not about religion. This church is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, help me preach right now. That ought to be the number one Matterhorn that you blow in your life. That ought to be the mountain that you're trying to climb is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Getting Jesus in my life. Getting Jesus in my family. Getting Jesus in our home. Getting Jesus in our past. Getting Jesus in our present. Getting Jesus in our future. It's all about him because he is Emmanuel, God with us. We uh, had one of our heroes pass. Give me three minutes. One of our heroes passed the other day on Thursday, the 2nd of January. His name was Wynn Wilkinson. And he knew what mattered to him. He knew what mattered to him. What mattered to him was a relationship with Jesus Christ. When I, when I first came, the first Sunday I was here, he was 62 years old. He was 92 when he died. He was 62 years old. And he came in and he patted me on the back. He was so sweet. He was just as sweet as a peach, man. And he sold peaches. If you, Fredericksburg peaches, he sold them when he retired. You find him on the street corner selling peaches. He was my buddy. And he put his arm on my shoulder and he said, Preacher, you do the preaching, I'll do the praying. And we'll build a church here. Brother Wynn, God's allowed us to build a church. Because what mattered in your life was not making a lot of money in real estate nor selling peaches. But what mattered in your life was serving Jesus Christ and loving one woman for 74 years. That's what mattered in your life. And because that's what mattered on Thursday, he got to not just have God with him. He got to go be with God. Hallelujah. Listen, there's a lot of things. Randy, if you'll help me. There's a lot of things, a lot of things in life that you might want to push for and pull for. But there's not anything greater, folks, anything greater in 2020 that I could offer you today than a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. Just a place with him. Come sit at my table, Jesus. Come fluff up my bed in the time of my affliction. Come help me walk the lonesome road. Come be with me. The Bible said many are the afflictions of the righteous. That sounds like bad news from Ichabod. I don't have to work any harder to convince you the Bible says that, but that's not how the verse and the story ends. The last says, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions, but we're going to be delivered when God is with us. That's the good news, Emmanuel. Can you rejoice in that? No other proof. You're on the winning side. Let the, let the storm winds blow and the 
storm clouds rise, they don't worry me. But know that when it's all said and done, Emmanuel, God is going to be with me. 2019 has been an interesting year. I close with this. There's been some trying times. There really has. I lost, my wife lost her mother, one of the sweetest women. A lot of surgeries this year, tumors and heart situations and job layoffs and tragic funerals. Next Saturday we're doing a little, a little mem memorial here, a little memorial service here for Heidi Broussard. This was her church. And uh, somebody took her life. And the loss of kids and family dysfunctions and the loss of parents. The Wynn Wilkinsons, the Bessie Hodges. Little Bessie was 90. She had to move back to East Texas because she needed somebody to stay with. She passed on Friday. I'm going down to do her funeral. She was my buddy. Vince Humphrey lost his father. Even though I don't know him, he's lost his father. But still, through it all, Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. And Emmanuel is greater than Ichabod. You see these little cards? You see them? Little cards. These are not for play. These are fun. Uh, these, are, these are for real. I don't want to see a one of them on the parking lot. You hear me? <laughs> not a one of them. Scott, Kimberly Jenkins made these. They have a printing company. They made these just on the notice. So I just had a whim. I want to put Emmanuel is greater and he's over Ichabod. We got t-shirts here that we made Jesus and there's a line above everything. Jesus is above everything. And so, so I want you to put these on your refrigerator because one time the Lord said, write down your dream, make it plain. So I'm writing it for you. I want you to put this on your refrigerator and for at least this week, I want you to, when you go get your Oreos and your cookies and your, and your Cheerios and you get your eggs and you get your milk, I want you to see Emmanuel is greater than all the bad news. Emmanuel's with us. Come on. I had people come in here today from other states. They came in and they're so excited because they're taking this back with them to Michigan, to Illinois because they thought it was cool. So don't think it's not cool. This is cool. <laughs> put it on your refrigerator. Put a magnet on it and let's look at it every day. Write it down. Make it plain. God is with me and it's greater than any negative news that I'll hear. In Jesus' name. Would you stand, you're awesome people? Please don't leave just yet. I want every student in the house that's in school, five years old, 50 years old, if you're going to college, get your degree, whatever, I want you to come quickly right now. I'm going to bless the students and I'm going to let you go. Give me one more minute. Come on, kids. Come on down here right now. I want to bless the students. I want to bless them. I want to bless them. I want to ask God's protection on them. How you doing, boys? Y'all all right? I love y'all. How you doing, baby? Come on, come on, get over here. Come on, get in here. All the students, isn't this beautiful? We had about 70, 75 in the second service, and we got a ton over here on this side. Well, what a joy that. Look at these kids. Isn't this, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this wonderful? I want this, I want this audience to lift your hands to these kids. Please don't leave me just yet. Please, I beg you, don't leave just yet. Please give us time to pray. It's important that we have prayer because the altar service is very important. You'll hear me teaching that before this month is over. Please, please, please let me just pray. Kids, I want you to get in here close. Come on. Scoot, 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 scoot. Come on. All right. Now, I want you to join hands with somebody you kind of like. If you don't like them, don't join their hand. Because I don't want you mad while I'm praying, all right? All right, here we go. You ready? I'm going to bless you. Audience, lift your hand toward these precious children. Dear Father, 
In the name of the Lord, I bless these children in Jesus' name. I thank you for all these school kids. I thank you for every one of them. It's an honor, Lord, to pastor these children. It's an honor to pastor their parents. It's an honor, Lord, to call on a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Now, Lord, I'm asking you the first of the year to protect these children. Let them go through the second part of the school year with protection. Let a wall of fire be round about them. Let, let angels, God, that are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation, let those spirits be with them, God. Let them understand that they are held to a standard because they have you in their life. And Lord, don't let them be afraid. Don't let them ever feel alone. Let them always know that you're there for them. In Jesus' name, I bless these children. I bless the parents of these children. And I bless this church. May the grace of God shine on this church all week long. Let us come back in the morning for prayer. Wednesday night for the first of a Wednesday night Bible study time. And next Sunday to hear more of the greatness of God. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen.